Hello, how are we all? Strange, isn't it, the world right now? And I sense it's about to get stranger still. Are you sure you're ready to stay at home with the Williamses? Hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. I am Robbie Williams. And I am Ida Field Williams. And you join us uh, from the hills of Beverly Shire, 90210. Last time we spoke on the podcast, we were in Wiltshire. Deepest, deepest, darkest. Deepest, darkest, thickest parts yeah. of the Wilshire Forest. Yeah, and now we're in Beverly Shire, 90210, here with an updated podcast. Today we're going to be talking about self-quarantine. By the way, when we did our last podcast in the hills of Shire of Wills, yeah. um, and we were talking about Christmas and our Christmas traditions, and it was cold outside. Ah, yes, and Santa was our intrepid guide. But he's on holiday now, so it's me, Sarah Milliken, who has bravely taken up the challenge of heckling or narrating the weird and here's hoping wonderful things that are happening between the four walls of the Williams's home. Well, one of their homes. A fancy one in LA. Before we go any further, if you were listening to this when you're meant to be homeworking or homeschooling, great. But there's likely to be some swearing. And when I say likely, I mean definitely. So consider yourself warned if there are kids around or you have to add something else to the curriculum. Did we ever think that the next topic of our podcast would be self-quarantine? Who, who had that on the radar? Can I just shock you? Oh boy, go I, on. Yes, I saw you the had, few, no. You, you, you saw this, well then you should have invested in Netflix and Amazon then. Well, I didn't. Here we are in self-quarantine. Should we tell people what we've been going through and what the agenda has been yeah. whilst self-quarantining? Yeah, I think that. Well, I think we should start with the very beginning of our self-quarantine because it kind of all tipped off when you left for Australia. I think that's kind of things were starting to close. It was all of a sudden this thing that had started in Wuhan and there were like rats and bats and we were like, hey, something weird's happening. And then you had a gig in Australia. And I remember it was just that time when we were all starting to go, are we supposed to be ordering masks right now? And is hand sanitizer hard to find? And you went off to Australia. We weren't sure if the gig was going to happen. We hadn't officially been on lockdown, but I think I started locking down with the family either right before you left or right after you left is kind of when... Can I take it from here? Well, if you must. Okay. So, um, yeah, I had a gig that was penciled in for months before to go down to Melbourne and do a show at the Formula One Grand Prix. I think the Grand Prix season was actually kicking off in Melbourne, if my memory serves me rightly. It usually doesn't, but no, at this time I think it is correct. It genuinely doesn't. But I think Miley Cyrus was playing on Saturday and then I was playing on Sunday, something like that anyway. On the day that we were about to fly out from uh, Los Angeles down to Melbourne, we heard that uh, Miley had pulled out. That's right. And uh, because I am from Stoke-on-Trent... You are ready for battle at any moment. Yes, I thought... I do, I do remember thinking, should you be going if she's just pulled out? But you being a fearless entertainment king decided in the face of the pandemic that you would that you would still go out and provide the music and the entertainment for the people as long as it was available. I, I knew that, um, I thought to myself, if this was a week later, this thing would be postponed. So I went down to Melbourne, about to do the gig, and then the gig itself was cancelled. Then I started to worry about getting out of the country. Were we going to be able to get out of Australia? The answer was 
yes, you can get out of Australia. I landed off the plane mm-hmm. and I have never traveled from the airport to the hotel that I was staying at in quicker time. Nobody was on the roads. This also coincided with Los Angeles being particularly gloomy, overcast and rainy. And Los Angeles never really is overcast and gloomy. It was like, you know, the grayest, darkest sky in England. It was that, but darker and rainier. So here we were all of a sudden quarantined and then you couldn't even go outside to get fresh air. And I just remember feeling... And I think we both suffer from seasonal depression. So it was like, it just felt like one of those like Kleenex commercials where you're just like weeping the whole time. It was just like really depressing. Ah, the irony. Not sure how many South Shield summers that Ida's experienced over the years. Quick recap though, because it's my job. As much of the world started to shut down, Robbie had managed to get a flight from Australia back to America. He didn't say if he was in economy or which movies he watched. I'd guess maybe Jumanji, The Next Level. It's a great film. I watch everything with The Rockin'. But because he's been overseas, he was advised not to go home and instead to quarantine himself in a Los Angeles hotel, which the rest of us used to call a nice, quite pricey holiday. So I uh, was at the hotel and this is when it struck me. It was getting like darker and gloomier and I was watching the news and that doesn't help because that feels like a psychic attack. And... I ordered myself some food from the kitchen. This sounds so harrowing. No, but what I'm saying is I ordered myself food from the kitchen. Oh, then yeah, it arrived you can't, you can't and touch it. I was FaceTiming you and then you said you can't touch it. Well, you ate it anyway, but yeah. you, I was like, you can't because we were delivering you food because the whole idea was that hotels were one of the biggest hotspots for the disease because there were so many people there and people from out of town. So the idea was don't order any room service because you're letting in different staff, different food, you have no idea. But you, I think, wanted french fries and just ordered them. So anyway, it was at that point that um, my toes curled with my wife trying to control me again, (laughs) even down FaceTime. And I realized what a uh, different world we were living in. It's like, take that cob out of your mouth. (laughs) Yeah, it's a different world. I mean, it is. I think what's interesting about this quarantine situation there's a lot of interesting things but none of us had any preparation for it It was like there wasn't like anything in the playbooks ahead of time to go okay so when a pandemic happens this is what we do and so everyone was just kind of scrabbling of like oh god life what do we do you know and and we're all feeling it out as a globe at the same time on what the right steps are and how we should proceed safely my thought process at the time was i can't get to my children I can't get to my wife. It's apocalyptic. What if the... I mean, the shit has has hit the fan. But what if the fan gets bigger and the shit gets more and I can't get to my people? And for those moments, I think that the sort of like psychic attack that comes from watching the media and watching the news, plus the fact that I couldn't get to you, really fed into my anxiety and I started to feel like I'd got the symptoms. Can you remember? remember. Well, I remember that because at first we kind of did, you know, because as you said, you're feeling this whole thing out. And I thought, okay, well, we can do the social distancing where you can come in the garden and be 30 feet away. And that's supposed to be, because there's all, there's all this like misinformation. Is it six feet? Is it 10 feet? If you sneeze, is it to the side? And we kind of thought, 
Okay, well, I haven't seen you in, I think it was like in the second week that we decided, okay, come to the house. We, we thought, okay, do it when the kids are sleeping because they'll get too distressed seeing you and not being able to run up and see you. So we would wait to tuck the kids in and you would come to the garden or you'd come at a time when they were busy and we would talk across the, the way from each other. And at that time, my mom was living at the house undergoing treatment. And so we made sure to just keep you outside. And then when her doctor said, I don't think it's worth the risk, we didn't know there was even a risk at that. Then we cut those visits in the garden out completely. And that was when it was even more difficult was that I couldn't even see you from, you know, balcony to balcony or across the garden or in the driveway. Now, all jokes aside, not being with the ones you love in lockdown has been awful for so many of us in so many countries. Genuinely sending love to you all. For us, there was a very real possibility that I could do serious damage to your mum's health. My mom in January was diagnosed with stage two cervical cancer and it had spread outside the cervix and was a very aggressive tumor. So alongside her Parkinson's and her lupus was this cancer battle. And because the cancer was so big, they decided that she needed to immediately go into chemo and radiation daily and have surgery. And, um, which also meant that she was going to miss the birth of our son, which I remember being kind of a tough pill to swallow. But that was before the pandemic. We were just thinking about the birth of Bo. But when the pandemic hit, it was very scary because, you know, my mom with lupus and Parkinson's and cancer is not a, at 70 years old, is is uh, is prime for, for some bad things happening. So she was going to the hospital every day for these treatments. And I just remember every day thinking, is she going to pick something up? Is this where it ends? This coupled also with like on the news, it, it, the news was basically saying... This, it's fine. We've all got to stay in. It's only old people that are going to die. Can you remember? Yeah. And that, I remember. Like the news, that the, it was like, it was so weird that the news were reporting like, look, the, the yeah. subtext was, if it's okay. Old, yeah. Just your parents are going to die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll be fine, but your parents are going to die. Thanks, the news. Thank you. So I got myself a place around the corner from yeah. us, and I started to feel like I had the symptoms of the COVID. Mm-hmm. And uh, I started to panic. I started to worry. And in, in times of severe panic and in times of severe worry, it's sort of like, in case of emergency, break glass. And when I break the glass, I get down on my knees and I pray. Mm-hmm. I never really sort of pray in gratitude and thank whoever I'm praying to for this moment of peace and surrender and happiness, I always do it when it's I like need the, something. It's like the fire extinguisher moment. Yes. You smash and grab. So I sat down and I prayed. Now listen, I don't know about you out there and what you think about prayer or who you're praying to or who is listening. But when I sat down and got on my knees and I prayed, I heard stay in the love. And I was like, okay, stay in the love. What does love mean to me? And I started to think about my wife and the way that she looks at me when she's having a love attack. We call them love attacks. And we say, I'm having a love attack. We have this over... Just had a little love attack. This this overbearing urge to sort of get inside. And I don't mean in a sexual way. Definitely not in a sexual way. I just mean like unzipping the wife, getting in and then being held and being cuddled. Like, Like a body cozy. Like a body cozy. I'm so sorry. I try to keep quiet as there's a lot going on in the Williams's household, a lot to cope with. But unzipping the wife, Robbie, no, not on my watch. So that 
made me feel good. Then I started to think about the children and I started to think about how Teddy looks at me when she's, you know, in awe of her daddy. And then I started to think about what was my favorite day on the planet. My favorite day on the planet was the day that we got married. And the smile became a huge, huge, like my my whole body started to vibrate and I started to feel happier. And I'm doing it now, thinking about it. And I raised my vibrations. And when I raised my vibrations, what do you know? I didn't have the symptoms of COVID. I didn't have this corona thing. I was just panicking myself into a situation. I have to say, since that moment, I've stopped watching the news. I've stopped going to all platforms where there's any media, any gossip, any tittle tackle. And my life has been much better from it. I've been able to stay in a much safer, much calmer, much more loved place. I remember when you had that moment, you just called me with so much love and I was kind of going through my own separate panic. And I actually, because I saw the look in your eye, like energy had elevated that I did a meditation, a gratitude meditation. I felt so much better. And that really helped me. I think that's one thing in this quarantine that is just so underlooked Um, is just mental health alongside physical health of staying safe is just the mental health of how do you navigate around this weird invisible thing that's kind of locking us in our homes and keeping us away from our friends and family and disturbing our routine and making it hard to find toilet paper. Do you know what I mean? Where people are being pitted against each other, you know, and, and, and it can play funky games with your brain space when you don't have contact with the outside world and, and really rooting down and having that meditation. And I am not a meditation person. I kind of look at it like flossing. I'm like, do I have to? But but it really did change the game for me. And and we started doing meditations on the top of our hill with the kids. And it made it feel like a much safer place in the midst of kind of this, this chaos that we can't quite fully describe yet. I also think there's also been a lot of attacks on celebrities. People could be like listening to this and going, well, you're all right in your mansions. Yeah. But, but this is, yeah, we are, but this is what's happening. Ida's mom's got cancer. My dad's got Parkinson's. And my mom has Parkinson's. And my mom suffer with, yeah. with her mental health. And they're thousands and thousands and thousands of miles away. Yeah, like, this, like, this, like this, being a pop star doesn't save my mom from, from dying. No, from no matter. There's no, there's no mansion that makes her health, you know, makes her, uh, <laughs> makes her a superhero able to just whip through all of this. You know, yeah, that, that cancerous growth isn't shrinking no matter how many times I show the swimming pool or your penis or my penis. But, um, so look, we're also in a very, very great position. We're in an incredible position. And we're very, very grateful for it. It's just, there's real life things happening with our parents that are having, uh, health issues and we can't get to them. And no matter if you're a celebrity or if you're not, you're going to struggle with that shit. So yeah. we're yeah. So I agree. It's like we're in a we're in the most blessed position you could be in, but we're still dealing with the fear of losing our parents and protecting ourselves, and you know all that stuff still comes to play. We're now listen, we we are we are so fortunate to be you know in the if you're going to quarantine. We've got a great setup, but you know, those, those fears that everyone has still, still haunt us. And I'm, you know, I wake up every day or in the middle of the night worrying about my mom every time she has to get food or take a walk outside to breathe or, you know, go get her medication or, you know, it's just all those things. Now listeners, if I'm honest, I was all geared up to take the Mickey relentlessly. 
but this pair is not making things easy. Perhaps that will change as Robbie's about to impart some words of wisdom about what he's learned in lockdown. I've learned that I need to be much more careful where I put my energy. Like I've learned that getting rid of the sort of mainstream media in my life has made a lot of space. Space for better thoughts. Space for better thoughts. But also I've learned that you're really good with a crayon in quarantine. I have. What I've been doing to fill Doodling. the time while I was in quarantine away from you yeah. was I got my crayons out. Like a big boy. Like a big boy. He's got, a big boy with a crayon. I got my crayons out and my felt tips and I started to do... By the way, that almost sounds like seductive that you got your felt tips out. Felt tips. <laughs> I'm the chocolatier. Maybe in the 90s, but you're putting those felt tips back in the case, okay? I'm the chocolatier and I'm getting up my felt tip. Uh, just the tip and no one will know. So I did that <laughs> and uh, every day... By the way, you just made a felt tip pornographic. Yeah, 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 that's, okay. that's what I do. But your zipper is on if there is the lower tracks. If there's a double entendre to be found, I will find it. So I started to do these doodles, which doodles. took up six hours of my day. I feel like you need to come up with a more sophisticated word than doodle. Well, I'm not going to call them anything other than doodles, because if I call if them anything more than doodles, it yeah. would mean that I, I hold them in high regard. I think they're just doodles. But that's like what Mickey Mouse says on Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. Oh, toodles and oh, boodles. Yeah, like it's in the chant. You yeah, do more than doodles. No. Almost sounds like a poo. The art that I've got downstairs on the massive canvases, that's art. These are doodles. Then I bought myself a PlayStation 4. I jumped over from Xbox to PlayStation 4. I bought a game called The Clubhouse 2019, and I started playing golf every night. So I think what we've established is quarantine has made you a horny 14-year-old. Yes. You're doodling with your big naughty felt tip and you're playing video games. Yes. Life is tough for 14-year-old Robbie. Unfortunately, I arrived... It's okay. I only have four kids to rear. It's fine. Unfortunately, I arrived back at our house, which was a very lovely emotional Oh my God. It was so emotional. It was honestly... Like like the queen was coming home. We It was like there was bunting out. We had treats. The kids dressed up in actual clothes instead of pajamas. And we waited at that door. When the gate, we, we just, we heard the doorbell ring and they, they didn't even wait for the car. They just ran down the driveway to see you. It was like, it was, you know, on the silver lining of things. It was, I don't think any time you've come home has felt that emotional. Well, the thing is, Teddy ran to see her father Charlie ran to see if I had chocolate. I think he also ran to see if he could just run faster than Teddy. Yes, that's probably because there is uh, the uh, sibling, sibling rivalry. rivalry. Coco wasn't bothered, so I think that makes her like Belgium, just totally neutral on the situation. Oh, she will do, though. She'll get involved. Oh, she'll get aggressive. If the Easter hunt is anything to go by, she will snatch her daddy out of the claws of those other two when she can. So now I'm back. Yes, you are. And I am on a very different sleep pattern than you. Yeah, it sucks, dude. Are we still on the felt tips? No. Good. Now, we've all dealt with lockdown in different ways. Some have taken up a craft or a hobby. Others have had a ton of work on. Some may have eaten more biscuits than they ever thought humanly possible. That one's me. But these are all valid responses to a crisis. So let's eavesdrop on what Ida's been up to and be warned, there's some light bickering on the horizon. So one thing that I have tried in quarantine, I think we all kind of felt like in quarantine when it first happened, like we were free falling. Like, I don't know if you felt, but I was like, oh, what do I do today? What do I do today? And so something I've tried to do, and I think it's really by the 
fact that I was just eating tons of popcorn and watching movies. I was like, okay, I've got to, for my sanity, carve some kind of schedule out of my day. So when the children are schooling online and Coco and Bo are napping, I try, which I've not done this weekend, I work out during the weekdays to create some kind of, okay, that's what I need to do for this day. On Fridays, it's that and a shower and clothes with a zipper. So those are my like, those are my big targets for the week. But I found that just having some kind of physical purpose during the day has really helped keep me tethered and also just a little bit sane because when you were gone, it was really hard with the four kids because this, you know, they were getting cooped up and cabin fever and tantrums and yelling and, and it was like, oh my gosh, I just want to hide from my own family. And I think that carving the schedule out kind of gives me that confidence and that well-being to go, I got this. It's okay. I love this. I'm present. Um, and that's really helped me. But the upside downside of that is that I was actually getting sleep while you were away. I was actually getting to bed in a normal human time at like 11 p.m. and then able to embrace the day with the children. But because you're a prepubescent boy playing video games, you go to bed, you doodle. I'm going to use your word. You you doodle and you play your golf till like three in the morning. And then old doodle pounce, Mouse Catools over here, comes into the room at three in the morning and then he just falls asleep and sleeps till like- I don't. I don't fall asleep. Or you're up, basically. You go to bed with your computer. He goes to bed with the computer like a lover, with his headphones, listening to YouTube at three in the morning till like four. But what happens is you sleep till noon, but I get up at three and then I'm just up. So I'm finding that I get like three hours of sleep. And then it's gotten to the point where because you're like a bull in a china shop when you come in, that I've actually started- I'm dyspraxic, okay? Dyspraxic, if that's what you want to call it, is I start pre-waking myself up to avoid the trauma of the sharp entry. So I'm like up like a good 20 minutes before you come because I know you're going to come. And then again, I watch you sleep with your headphones, listening to 14-year-old YouTubes. And I don't listen to 14-year-old YouTube. Well, I don't know what you listen to, but you got your headphones I on. I listen to podcasts. I listen to Under the Cosh. Okay, well, it's you're a big It's ex-footballers talking about football, okay? Oh, you're such a big boy. Thank you. And, um, and then you sleep like a baby, and I do not sleep at all, and I look like I've been at a rave, and then I'm doing mommy duty in the morning, and they think that, like, something's really wrong with me because I just look like I've stuck my hand in a socket. And then my whole day is, like, just trudging. So the other day I asked you, Robert Peter Williams, if you could sleep in Charlie's room so I could get one night of sleep. And it was literally like, it was like glorious. The next, I actually slept for like seven hours straight. It was like, it was like the, the, the sun was shining. I was so proactive as a parent. I felt good. But now we're back to you sleeping in the room late at night. Okay, so this is what actually happened, folks. That's uh, there's first there's three versions of this story, mm-hmm. mine and yours, and mm-hmm. then the truth, which is mine. Yes, I went to sleep in Charlie's room. You did. Woke up the next day. You got some sleep, and you were very happy, mm-hmm. and I was very happy for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in the evening, I thought, oh, I'll just jump in Charlie's bed. And what I said was, I'll get in Charlie's bed tonight. And you went, oh, bless you, thank you. Mm-hmm. And I went, it's a pleasure. Mm-hmm. And then that was a one eighty. From it's a pleasure to, hang on, why are you sleeping in Charlie's bed no, tonight? No, no, what I said is, oh, 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 oh no, oh. what I said was, oh, that's really, and I, you're not going to spend like all the nights in Charlie's bed. And you said. No, that's not how okay, it was. Okay, go, go to yeah, your yeah. version. So 
all of a sudden you're doing it calm and collective and very and very kindly. It, it didn't. That's not the energy that I, came up. Domestics, everybody. I did, and I am. Uh, you didn't. You turned one eighty and you went problem presenting you with a problem. <laughs> and I went, oh, hang on, uh, new thing, brand new problem thing. <laughs> Uh, how do I react to problem thing? You react with anger. But you were angry. So you were... Yeah, but my anger is like a nice anger. Like my, my anger doesn't go above this volume level. I knifed my way out of Stabbington. It's how I've achieved everything. Take the rough with the smooth. So... Uh, <laughs> do you like it? It's just a blanket. Take the rough with the smooth. Okay, go on. I've, we'll take my smooth with even more smooth. Okay. Anyway, here's what happens when we have these moments in the house. Okay. We know... That will resolve it. That we will resolve it, get to the end of it, and love each other even more in the process. That is correct. Which is what we do. That being said, the moments... They which, suck when they're uncomfortable. Th- which are very fleeting. Yeah, they are very fleeting. In our households. Yeah. We probably have one flashpoint every three months. Yeah. Like a flashpoint every three months, which is yeah. n- not bad going at all. So uh, there it's like was... a ten-minute conversation every three months about. Something. Yeah, yeah. So then we sort of have this conversation, and we know that eventually we'll get to the point where we mm-hmm. just we just love each other up, and mm-hmm. we're so grateful for the way that we can work through these things. Yeah, um, and which we eventually did. Yeah, we and did. which we got to. Yeah, we did. But I was really proud of me because I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why I was really <laughs> I was proud. Really of me. proud of me. Yeah, I tell you why. Because tell me why you are much smarter than me, <laughs> right? Well, I mean, I'm not going to argue with facts. You but... are much smarter than me, and whenever there is a problem, what I get is confused. I just go like, "Oh, she's oh god." No, but you know, but this is the difference with you is because you're like an A plus addict. A plus addicts are really good at manipulation. It's just like how you get your drugs and how you do your thing. And so even if I make sense in a conversation, you've got a really great way of kind of like turning it around where then I question myself. Ladies and gentlemen, this is uh, Robbie (laughs) Williams and Ida Field Williams with the domestic issue of the uh, podcast. By the way, you know how like people go, oh, have you ever had a threesome? I think our threesome is with your MacBook Pro. I've decided that's, that's the threesome. Rob literally cradles that thing. Like, like it's a tender lover every night. Like I whack myself in the middle of the night on that metal thing every time. And you look so cute. You just like doop 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 with your headset on. Well, here's the thing. And your eye mask. You look like, you look like, like, I don't know. My mind is not someplace that you should go without supervision of an adult. You mean like Joe Rogan? And when I am there (laughs) alone, Radio Rob happens and it is torture. So I need something that waylays the torture of me having to listen to my own friggin' head. So I listen to podcasts. What if you just put on one of those apps, like the Calm app? Why don't you stop looking for solutions? (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, live from the hills of Beverly Shire. The rough with the tough, what did you say? Nine, oh, the rough with the smooth. The rough with the smooth. I feel like it's more like just the rough with the tough with you. Listen, throw me a bone. I'm throwing you a bone. You've done well. You've definitely taken shaved off a good two hours from your three two to three hours from your nighttime two to three hours three hours we'll just I say take, three hours. what's the point if you're still gonna get it in the head oh you're not getting it in the head i love you i love you too oh well isn't that nice and scene 
What Ida and Robbie have so neatly depicted for us today is the roller coaster of spending a lot of time with someone in a confined space albeit a larger space than you or I. But find the three words that work for you. Could be I love you or MacBook Pro or bring me chocolate. Whatever brings a happy outcome in these strange, strange times. And for Robbie, he's found some inner pandemic peace by combining two of his greatest loves, singing and the internet. So yeah, so I also started to do these things called Corona Oki, which they weren't called Corona Oki at the time. Um, people moan about social media and I get it. There's a lot of negative stuff, but there is a lot of positive stuff with social media for me. When I was feeling lonely, I got on Instagram live and I reached out to the interweb and the interweb responded and they came to say hello. And I started, I've done this before where I put on a song and then I sing over the top of it. Uh, but this particular time in, uh, Corona time, mm -hmm. Uh, I got like 75,000 people came to watch me do it. And now I, I normally only get like 20,000 or so. It was very exciting. I feel as though I connected with a lot of people. Uh, it gave me purpose and it was fun. You know, I, I think that my job is is entertaining. And if you leave, if I open the fridge door and the light comes on, I do three hours. So... <laughs> You know, it's kind of what I do for a living, what I'm passionate about and what excites me and what gives me purpose. So I have been doing every weekday for the last six or seven days, yeah, for, seven weeks. I say seven weeks. For an hour or two hours at a time, been doing this thing I'm calling Corona Oki. Yeah, I remember when you did your first one, you called me with your doodling and you were buzzing. You were just buzzing. And I could see that it, it had given you purpose for the day was getting that feedback from the fans and singing and doing what you do. And I, I definitely think, just like I said about carving out a schedule, it's like it's been part of what keeps you sane is is entertaining and talking to the fans and interacting. It's given you that, like, that's your block period of from, like, one to three, you sing and entertain and play. And I, I also think people have been saying such nice things about um, uh, loving this, it's helping me to get through it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's also keeping me entertained and giving me purpose too and helping me to get through it too. And there's some times that I actually don't feel like doing it because it, there's a lot of the times I'm, I, I revert to what I actually am, which is a introvert, introvert introverted agrophobe. And then I do it anyway. In those times, I enjoy them more, weirdly. At the end of every session, I always come off going, I'm really glad that I did yeah. that. I think it's like um, going to the gym sometimes. No, I think it's like, I think it goes back to that schedule thing. Like the gym thing for me has been kind of the thing I can tether myself to that feels consistent. And I think for you, the Corona Oki has been something that you can tether yourself to every day that makes you feel consistent. I know that we've been having a lot of fun. I think also social media, you know, it's it's an ugly beast. It's got some great things about it. I think if I were to choose a world, I'd probably choose a world without social media, but on the lighter side of social media, we have some really cool fans that we get to talk to and we we get entertained entertaining our social media fans. So like the supermarket sweat workouts and your Corona Oki, just us live Insta calling people. I think as much as it's made other people happy, which is the reason we do it, their happiness then makes us happy. And that's been a nice kind of community. I also feel really elated 
when we just call random people yeah. and have chats with them. Yeah, me too. I would say nine times out of ten. We're happy we... We, we call wonderful people yeah. that, that do God's work. Yeah. Like Most of the people that we call are like carers or hospital workers. What are you... Are you I've got like? a new Corona Oki. Um, I've just come up with it. New what? Corona Oki jingle. What is it? There's co business like Cho <laughs> business. There's co business. I know. I'm gonna do that on Corona Oki tomorrow. That's good. Okay. That's good. There's co business like show business. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's Done. good. That's good. Oh, make it stop. Oh, are we on? Oh, Robbie, ever the creative. But I think that's all I can take. Quite enough for this episode. There is so much more to come. Oh, joy. Tell us, Ida. So next week, I think what we're going to talk about is entertainment because I think one of the biggest things that we need in quarantine right now is entertainment. Something to distract us, something to make us feel good, something where we can focus our attention, where there's laughter and humor and good times. So would you like to talk about entertainment with me next week? And just remember, everybody, there's co Fitness like show. Business, there's co Fitness, I know. Oh, please. And we really do have to leave the Williamses there. Wow. But do join us next time when there might be more singing. There might be more arguing. There will definitely be a welcome distraction from the rest of the world as we all stay at home with the Williamses. Ida, the people need to know about your podcast, Postcards from the Edge. Tell them what it's about and how people can find it. Sure, Robbie Williams. Postcards from the Edge is all about me, an American girl, chatting to my British friends about our differences. Most weeks I'll be joined by my mum, Gwen, and sometimes you pop up. But for the most part, it's me learning about naked attraction and how to say sorry all the time with the likes of David Williams, Alan Carr, Judge Rinder, Ollie Murs, and loads more amazing guests. So please check it out and subscribe wherever you find your podcasts.